0: Oh, like
1: stamp collecting. No, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yeah, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely.
2: I'm so terribly lonely. Live from the Stamp Show Here Today infotainment complex, this is the award-winning Stamp Show Here Today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a non-profit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. You can support this witless tosh by joining the Stamp Show Here Today community. The cost is only $10 for a lifetime membership. We are an APS-affiliated club. Listen to the end credits for more information on joining. This is Lord Cash.
0: This is
3: Sahib Sheikh Mark. This is Duke of St. James.
1: (laughs) Uh, Sean.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Sir
2: Scott. And... uh, Today, I'll start it off with what, because um, this isn't a what crossed my desk. This is sort of a what crossed the threshold of PSE. And um, it brings up some things that we've discussed in the past, but this very, very nice lady who is a uh, hospice care nurse, so she has a tough job. Um, She flew to Las Vegas from Houston, Texas and then took an Uber over to our office, and then took an Uber back and flew back to show us she had filled out five um, submission forms. And the stamps were like, I'd say, $3 million worth of stamps. Now, she was not a stamp collector. She got all the prices off Etsy and eBay and stuff like that. and. The collection was obviously like a kid's collection from 1970s. We see a lot of these. The Boy Scouts uh, really promoted stamp collecting. And so uh, you see a lot of the basic sort of setup of a Boy Scout collection. And they were all mm, valueless stamps. I mean, you know, the $3 million, I doubt you would have been able to get $3 for it. No inverted Jenny, huh? No inverted Jenny, but it was, well, like she had two, well, one was a number 33, the other one, I don't know, like a number 14 from Great Britain, and she had the price down of both of them of $800,000. Well, Stanley Gibbons is going to auction off a plate number 77 of US, excuse me, of Great Britain number uh, 33 with plate number 77. A lot of numbers flying all here. <laughs> Basically, what it is, is it's the one-cent, incredibly common uh, postage stamp red with the picture of Queen Victoria on it. And uh, plate number 77 was the first plate they made. Turned out to be a crummy plate, so they disposed of it quickly. It didn't print very many stamps from it. And so it's an incredibly valuable one. Well, she's not a stamp collector. So she looked at it and said, "Hey, I have a red stamp like that. It has Queen Victoria on it. It says eight hundred thousand uh, dollars. This means that I have one point six million dollars in these two stamps. And uh, I'm sorry, but you know, everybody who's listening to this podcast is a stamp collector, and they're not going to fall into this, but you know, advise people that you know she could have saved a lot of money by sending an email to us or a picture or something like that. So, uh, but the one thing was surprising is she didn't have a five ninety six, but she had stamps that I didn't know there were valuable varieties, and I think there aren't. I think you, just if you go on Etsy, somebody has you know. Every stamp ever printed you can buy on Etsy for ten thousand dollars. Well it's 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 like
4: the the new Jenny uninverted souvenir sheet. You can find one up on eBay for a million and a half dollars, but they really only go for fifty to seventy five thousand dollars.
2: Yeah, but we're talking about fifty to seventy five thousand dollars. This <laughs> is going for I know, but when you look it up, in being worth a when nickel. you look
4: it up, it comes out <laughs> at two million dollars, and it's like,
2: yeah. Well, there's a big difference there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, public service announcement. You know, help people out here because this this she's a ni- she was a nice lady, um, but, yeah, she but she flew, got a trip to Vegas. Well, the whole thing is she flew into Vegas, came to us. Then she went back to the airport and flew home. She didn't even get to run around Vegas.
4: I take it she's not the one that won twelve million dollars or whatever on the slot machine at the airport. Then.
2: Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I hope she. I hope she is, because then she got her money. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but uh, Be nice karma it. there. That makes a really good story. Yeah. The, the, if she will hit the jackpot on yeah. the way out. I yeah. don't think it was her though.
2: We can ho- we can make pretend it was yeah yeah well come to PSE because even though you don't have great stamps you'll win twelve million dollars at the uh, Las Vegas airport and you'll make great friends yeah I need I need to edit this up so that it sounds like she's a real big winner there you
0: go
2: <laughs> <laughs> so Mark what do you have
0: uh nothing really earth shattering it's just that um, uh, every once in a while I'll get a special handling stamp. Um, which they don't catalog. Uh, the catalog value isn't very high, but there's a lot of different varieties, and, and Scott has um, has uh, separated them out. There's uh, I'm talking about QE1 through QE3. Um, there are three different varieties. There's the uh, the main uh, um, the the main entry is on special printed on special booklet paper, and then you've got uh, uh, two other varieties that are printed on normal paper which would be a wet printing and a dry printing and they all they all kind of look the same but they're all different sizes so you can tell the difference uh, a lot by the sizes besides the 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 color varieties and then within the individual QEA like um, regular A and B there's also uh, some color varieties there
2: hold on hold on you, you said something that I don't didn't know there is a difference in size between the wet and dry printings
0: Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
2: I did not know that. Yeah. It's, it's very slight.
4: The easiest way, well, let's put it this way. The, the dry printings are fairly much unknown used. You pretty much have to find a, a, an example with a dated cancel to really date it, and then you have to definitively prove that it's a dry printing. Most of the dry printings were not used, or if they were, they were thrown away. Um, Very, very difficult to find. And if you find a used dry printing, that's an especially good stamp. But uh, as far as as mint goes, the dry printings are fairly easy to tell. You just flip it over. And the dry printings were printed on pre-gummed paper, which means the design is slightly embossed into the gum, and the gum is super white compared to the wet printings. So the dry printings are really easy to tell. Uh, you don't look at the front; you look at the back when they're mint. But uh, and then once you've determined it's not a dry printing, you go to the special or the the wet printings, and you have the special booklet paper or the normal paper, and then you have to get into design size measurements. But yes, when you're doing used, technically the dry printings have a slightly different size than
2: the wet printings, but it's mm. much more difficult to tell it's a much smaller difference well of course i'm looking for one of these on a, a t- uh, post office
0: tag that delivered chickens of so, course <laughs> <Right>. so, <laughs>
2: so, so that's my biggie
0: but yeah the uh i i find that the easiest way to tell these apart is not to actually i don't actually measure them what i do is i is i have in my uh in my collection uh in my reference i have all the the three different varieties, and then i just place the subject stamp on top of the, the three different ones to, to see yeah, which if, one it if is. If you're
4: going to get that specialized looking for the special booklet paper, both on the Fourth Bureau issue and uh, the QEs and the E13 and C11, uh, you really need to have a, a template in your toolbox, uh, usually of the cheapest variety. And you need to just overlay it and measure it. And that's the easiest way and the least expensive way and the quickest way to do it. Just put
3: something like that in your toolbox.
2: Well, Jim, you have a stamp sitting in front of you.
3: Yes, I had a. I have here a, a stamp that started out life as a 344. And... Decided somewhere along the line to identify as a five nineteen.
2: <laughs> Had so, cosmetic surgery. So 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 we need to identify it now as a five nineteen.
3: It is definitely a three forty four, and we. Um, so so why don't you tell? Shame on
2: you for
0: not affirming.
2: Yeah. Yes. First of all, yeah. Shame on you. Second of all, uh, what are these numbers you okay. speak?
3: Okay. Okay. So the three forty four is the. First issue, two-cent um, Washington Franklin. was issued in ni- late 1908, and it has the two spelled out, T-W-O. And it is imperforate. Imperforate. The The stamp was issued PERF 12 and imperforate. But, With a double-line watermark. And a double-line watermark. The... Because the same stamp appears is uh, also in a single-line watermark. Correct. But it so happens that uh, 10 years later or so, during World War I, a bunch of the imperfect sheets were returned to the Bureau of Engraving and Printing, so they decided that they would perforate them and sell them to the public. But at that time, they were using a perforation machine 11. So the PERF 11 was then issued and given the name, number 519. Those sheets were actually
4: in the New York Post Office. Right. And they were left over from the private vending companies who had switched to using government perforated coils in their vending machines rather than privately perfed. And so they were no longer needed. They were excess, and instead of throwing them away, they shipped them back to the Bureau for reperforation.
3: Yeah, and, and only the, what is it, the bottom left corner of the... She, the All the panes were, were the bottom left qu- quadrant. And so if you have a position piece, uh, like a plate, uh, block. plate block or something, then you have to have the right position yeah, or you're going to eliminate it very quickly.
2: That was my favorite story from Bill Hontos. Shout out to Bill. Great stamp dealer. Uh, he had a 519 plate block with the plate number on the right side. And he said, hey, look at this. Should I submit this for a certificate? And I said, no need, it's fake. And he goes, how can you tell? You're all the way across the table. And it's like, well, plate number's on the wrong side. You can't have a plate number on that side on that stamp. Yep. So
4: anyway. There's an example of a really good stamp dealer that had a gap in his knowledge.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And And it happens. And this this particular copy, when you... um, Look at the perforations, you can see that it it had been punched from the reverse so that the caving or whatever you want to call that uh, edge uh, goes from backwards forwards instead of from the front. So, but it's a very good, very good one and... Uh, probably a, would fool a lot of people.
2: It's an empty spot in most people's collection, and
3: it's well, no, it's thing. not. It's <laughs> usually <laughs> filled with the fake. <laughs> yeah, these these were easy, apparently easy to make, and and uh, a pro, no, They're a, not. They're a
4: pro, not easy. A pro tip when you're buying a collection: most stamp dealers discount that stamp as zero value because nine times out of ten it is fake. Right, and just like. Uh, some of the flat plate coils or most of the flat plate coils they're fairly often faked so when you're going through and valuing a collection they just skip right over those and value them at nothing when they make their offer uh and then if if one or more of them happens to be genuine then that's where the dealer can make money but um yeah the if, if you want to value, a, you know, you have a whole collection, you want to put a value on it, and the guy's only there for half an hour or an hour or, or even 10 minutes, he's flipping through. he's Yeah, he sees it. He knows it's a valuable stamp, but he just, without a certificate, he's not going to count it in his evaluation. Which yeah, if you have a certificate that says it's genuine, that's a different story. So, Sean, you
1: have some. So I have found myself upon a collection of, A lot of back in the book, or more like an accumulation of stuff. And a lot of it was locals and carrier posts, stamps. Nice. And so carrier stamps are if you want to deliver a stamp from a post office to another post office within a city. And locals are if you privately ship your stuff, put a local stamp on it. And one one stamp that I got uh, three of was... One One L B eight, which is a Baltimore uh, carrier stamp that has a little horse on it and a guy is, has a little flag and says one cent on it. <laughs> and so these were printed in uh, blo- blocks of ten. There was five on the top, two in the bottom. And you, there's varieties of it, and there's two of them for the original, three of them for the original. And so you can really easily plate the entire thing, with uh, versions of it. One of them has instead of one cent, has sent like like set s like cent <laughs> oh, instead of cent. So that one's cool.
2: And then one has like short rays that they, yeah. they have like rays coming off, and and one... they
1: don't they're not as long.
2: Carriers and locals are a minefield
4: as far as genuineness goes. They're um there's a three volume reference book. Uh, that is pretty much the standard uh, in use at this time, and uh, it's it's not too expensive. I think it's around seventy or eighty dollars a volume.
2: That's expensive,
4: but it covers the whole <laughs> yeah. the whole range A to Z, and it's very very detailed in its description of how to tell the genuine articles from the fakes.
2: Yeah, carriers and locals are actually very rare stamps but the number of collectors is very low, so the prices are not really reflective of if it was a normal U.S. stamp, what it would be selling for. You know, stamps it would catalog $500, catalog $50 based on the quantity out there.
4: Well, it used to be that everybody wanted them in their albums, and so even uh, J.W. Scott, who started the Scott Catalog, even he produced sheets of these uh, carriers and locals so that people could have space fillers. Um, he didn't charge for them. He, he didn't sell them as genuine. He sold them as facsimiles. But and he sold them cheap, but really super cheap. But they're ubiquitous in the market. They're very common. And so most, uh, I would say, a good majority of the, the locals that you do find, uh, with a few exceptions, are... Uh, just these fantasy labels that, that uh, I mean, they kind of look similar to the real ones, but they're not really. And for many, many, many years, Scott actually used the drawings of the ones that he made in the Scott catalog versus what the actual genuine ones look like. Now they're replacing the genuine ones with pictures of actual stamps that are genuine. So it, it's much clearer what they... Look like rather than the line drawings that were used to
0: be in, in the catalog. So, the album companies they printed out pages of these stamps, even though they're so rare, because they had to fill the, the album with something that, so that you can collect. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I would say that, the, that they're responsible for the prol- proliferation of all these fakes. The same thing with newspaper stamps. You know, there's tons of fakes because people wanted to fill the pages and they couldn't afford the real stamps
2: or U.S. Uh, officials.
0: Yeah, yeah. No,
4: any any area like that that's that's not commonly found. Uh, you'll a lot of times you can find that there were facsimiles or or whatever made so that people would have something to fill the album. And it's not just the United States either. It's it's worldwide. I mean, look at. Some of the fakes out of Hungary or Fayume or oh, yeah. or uh, you know even even some of the early overprinted ones like Zululand and
2: that I mean they're they're yeah, faked I, because they just mm, I think those were faked maliciously though I mean some, the yeah. locals in the newspaper and especially you know a lot of the newspaper and the uh, State Department uh, officials and stuff Confederates they, act- they mm-hmm. actually end Confederates well though not the confederates but the other ones they actually have integrated into their design the word fake or false or facsimile. or facsimile yeah
4: yeah a lot of them do yeah which is kind of interesting but um anyway there there are people that
2: collect specifically those too oh absolutely absolutely uh i know a person who collects wells fargo and he has all the wells fargo stamps but then he goes out to find all the fake Wells Fargo stamps, and there's like ten different fakes, you know. So he wants all of them, and you know, multiples and stuff like that. Yeah. And then well, they
3: reprinted those too, the Wells Fargo stamps. So you have the regular Another stamps, and then they reprinted it from the same stone. So. It Another
4: good rule, rule of thumb is if it's an overprint, it's probably been faked at some point. Oh yeah. <laughs> And those really, and uh, they used to be called album weeds. And there are a number of uh, reference books on on just that subject. But fakes and forgeries, yeah, for sure. I mean, you look at fa- forgers like Sporati and Detween and
2: and uh, and those guys, and and it's just yeah. Except Sporati, you actually have a more valuable stamp if you have that. That's to say, true.
0: Generally speaking, that's true. Yeah, guy was an artist.
2: Speaking about which, you had a couple fakes crossed your desk.
4: I did. Um, These were actually two, well they were submitted as, one was a cover with a a, I don't think it was a full set, it was a partial set of Colombians on it. And somebody had actually taken uh, what appeared to be a genuine cover they had made laser printed photocopies of the stamps cut them out and perforated them, With like pasted, a them <laughs> pasted them on a piece of old paper, and then printed the cover on top of that uh, so that it appeared that the cancels were on top of the tying the stamps. The whole thing was laser printed, complete fake, and uh, that was just a cover front. And then the other one was actually... Yeah, hold on, hold
2: on, back up, though. It was a cover front it had the cover back printed on it so it no no like...
4: this, this the other one oh. was the one that had the co- the cover back was also printed on the back of the piece of paper it wasn't a, an envelope at all it was actually just a piece of paper that had the front and the back of the envelope printed on it and lined up pretty well and and that was a Wells Fargo cover that had a Wells Fargo quote unquote stamp that was printed and then pasted on it, and uh, these two items—I mean, it was just—you hold them out at arm's length, and, and you're thinking, "Well, they don't—they just don't look right." <laughs> but but then when you get close enough, you realize they're laser printed, <laughs> and somebody went to a lot of work to do this. But uh, it was really interesting that uh, how far people will go just to just to
2: counterfeit something. Well, yeah, but that counterfeit would have only been first of all it's my opinion and you can take it or leave it if you spend over a certain amount and that varies from person to person for me personally it's like 300 bucks because i'm cheap um but if you spend more than 300 dollars actually i'm going to put it up to 350 Because ten percent of a catalog is three hundred, or ten percent is three hundred thirty-five dollars, which is the cost of a cert. If you spend over three hundred and fifty dollars for an item, it either should be something that you are an expert at. You know, I mean, you know, like you would bet your life on it, or it should have a certificate. I mean, certificates today are
4: cheap well we're we're, we're talking about faked covers uh we also have a hawaiian missionary number one (laughs) that came in on cover and you look at it and you go wow that looks pretty good now anybody who has handled the hawaiian missionary could probably look at that with a with a loop and say well it's not a genuine stamp so but you look at the cover and, and it's, it's from the Hawaiian Islands to Stockton, California, and supposedly. it's got a single, yeah. supposedly, and it's got a single two cent stamp on it. Well, tied, that's tied by tied. the Honolulu. Yeah. And, and it's obviously not right because two cents would have been the inter island rate, not the rate. To, to, stock, the, the, to, to stock in California, so first of all, that's that's the first glaring glaring problem. So it was probably a genuine cover without a stamp. Somebody stuck a stamp on it, and said, yeah, and added a few cancels to tie it in there, and and uh, but unfortunate because the guy that brought it in thought he had a multi hundred thousand dollar
2: item, which he would have, which
4: well, he would have if it were genuine, but it's
3: not. What when I received got that in my packet this morning. I looked at it, just like you said. The yes. first thing I said is, that's got to be fake, because the stamp just didn't look right. It was the wrong color. It was on the wrong paper. But that's because I've looked at several copies and know what a real one looks like. Right. So this is, a, this is a deal like we were talking about with the reprints and stuff. People can take those and put them on covers. Wells Fargo, you see them every once in a while, the Pony Express covers and stuff that are fake that way, too. Where they take a genuine stamp and put it on a cover, or they take a reprint and try to make it look on a genuine cover.
4: Well, and another thing that I saw this week, um, somebody had submitted nine X uh, a stamp as a nine X three, which is the New York Postmaster Provisional without a signature. And uh, and I looked at it, and it it looked really clean and and clear, and and so. I plated it. Well, it didn't plate to the sheet of 40, which is the 9X platings that are listed in the catalog as genuine New York Postmaster Provisionals. It did, however, plate to the sheet of 9, which is technically a reprint that was printed on both white bond and blue bond paper. Now, I looked at the paper and thought, this is blue bond paper. And that was, you know, just one of my initial things before I even played it. But um, so I'm, I'm digging through the catalog, and uh, I couldn't remember. And uh, Stanley Pillar's book on the New York Postmaster Provisional wasn't super clear as to what is this an essay? Is it a reprint? Is it a, a proof? What is it? But uh, apparently, at some point, he had convinced the editor of the Scott Catalog to list it as a proof instead of as a reprint and so it can be found actually in the scott catalog as 9x1p5 Uh, uh, p5a is on white bond paper and p5b is on blue bond paper and by the way these are very common well they're fairly common the the full the the full sheet of nine is not common that runs about 7500 bucks but just a single from the sheet of nine uh, is not that expensive. It's just a, like $150, $200. Oh, less than that. Uh, no, that's what the catalog is.
2: Oh, no, no, now, no. I mean retail. Well, I mean, yeah, retail. You buy. Well,
4: but these are, you know, but it also, if you dig into the literature, you find that the spacing between the, the stamps on the sheet of nine was actually one millimeter more than it was on the sheet of 40. So, uh, Large margin, even, nice... Gorgeous stamps. Gorgeous stamps. No you know, signature. No signature, and you're probably looking at a stamp from the sheet of nine. Yeah. So it, it, it's good to have read your catalog, because if you don't read the catalog, and you don't go to some of this extra literary material, you're never going to get these things, and you're never going to spot them, and... and You know, for here at PSE, you know, knowing things exist is half the battle. Oh, I know there's a color shade. I don't remember what it is or what the number is, but I know there's a color shade. And if I go to the catalog, I'll find it. That right there is 75, 80% of the battle right there. And so to really be an expert, you really need to know these little, uh, all these little things. You need to read the catalog fairly often i mean you might skip a year but you still got to look at it every year they add footnotes they change numbers around uh they add or subtract uh varieties or shades it so it really is it's a big job but if if that's what your job is then you kind of got to dig into it and look
2: yeah or you can be like a vast majority of the collectors who, you know, collect like $10, $20 stamps. Well, most collectors... Like I said, when you start spending whatever you define as significant, then you start sitting there going, you know, do I trust my Most
4: collectors will pick up a stamp and then look at the catalog. But my point is you need to look at the catalog before you pick out your stamp to buy. Because you need to know what's out there, what the varieties are, It'll help you spot a variety that's misidentified, but at the same time, if you want to be buying uh, a number 70 steel blue, a 70B steel blue, you can't go out and just take the dealer's word for it. I mean, if there's a certificate, sure, but if uh, you know if the dealer says it's a 70B and there's poor lighting at the show, you know, he can he take your money and he's happy. Or, but,
2: or worse, like but, the lady but then from you Houston. Send,
4: but then you send it to PSE and you're not happy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, going online doesn't help very much like the lady from Houston. And, you know, you sit there and go, ah.
4: Well, it depends where you go, too. Right. I mean, well, she, she was not a collector. She obviously did not know where to go. I mean, if she'd if she gone to Siegel's website or something like that, she might have done a little bit better on evaluating. That's or, true. Or Kelleher or any of the big auction sites that specifically deal in stamps. But she went to places like eBay and Etsy. Yeah, not the best place to go, for especially for an uneducated non-collector.
3: And on that, keep collecting. We need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120.
2: You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. (laughs)
3: Because you don't put that on the letter. Oh.
2: Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah.
1: Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this still con was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! (laughs) Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.